Pastor Xavier Reese on the Sabbath. All of us need physical rest and sleep to revitalize. Too many Christians today are living for things at the expense of rest and their witness. Exodus 23, 12, six days you should do work. And on the seventh day you shall rest. That your ox, your donkey may rest. That your sons, your female servants, your strangers may be refreshed. Everybody! It's built into the creation. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. We love the idea of convenience. So fast and hurried, we've grown accustomed to 24-hour convenience stores, fast food, ATM machines, even pay-at-the-pump gasoline stations. But has all this made our life any better? Today, as Pastor Xavier takes us back to the book of Genesis, he reminds us of the master plan for man designated by the master. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, to the beginning of verse 4. The message is entitled, The Seventh Day, Rest and Relax. Bats are said to live long and longer for their size than any other animal. They have a lifespan of about 20 years, and it has been suggested that the secret of their longevity is their ability to relax so quickly and go into a deep sleep of hibernation. Right after a flight, one of them can almost immediately slow down their heartbeat from 180 per minute to three, and it can retard the respiration from eight breaths a second to one every eight minutes. Now, I'm not suggesting you go home and practice this, but <laughs> the point is the little beast rests. He knows how to rest. One of the biggest problems with people is they can't rest, particularly in our society today. We are wound up so tight and we've got PC language for it, road rage. How about just being tired, cranky, and self-centered? <laughs> what we want to do is look at the summary statement here of creation, focusing on the seventh day of creation from a threefold perspective in verse 1 through the beginning of verse 4. Let me read it for us. Thus the heavens and the earth and all of the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. This is the history of the heavens and of the earth when, he, when they were created. Now, here are your three perspectives of the summary statement of the seventh day rest. First, in verse 1. The sixth day was the acknowledgement by God to the finished work of his creation. Then secondly, in verse 2, the seventh day was the rest of God from his creation. And then thirdly, the seventh day was sanctified by God due to creation. The remainder of three and the first part of four. Now, let's begin here. Notice the sixth day, in verse 1, was the acknowledgement by God to the finished work of creation. The heavens and the earth were finished. Thus, the heavens and the earth. The heavens, once again, notice, is in the plural as we've already studied verse 1 and 2 of Genesis 1. God created the first heaven where the birds fly, as we saw in chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. Nothing was left to evolve 
Nothing was needed to create. Boom, it was done. God created the second heaven also, which we saw also in verse 6 straight of chapter 1, the planets, the stars, the stellar heaven. Boom, it was done. Nothing was evolving after the fact. Nothing was left to be created. There was no product of an explosion that brought it to pass. There was no further creation going on. He ceased. It was done. And of course, you know the third heaven because there's three heavens where God dwells. 2 Corinthians 12, 4, Paul says he got, was caught up to the third heaven and he heard and saw things that are not lawful to be uttered. The third heaven where God dwells. So those, the Bible teaches three heavens as we've seen. Okay, They were all done. This is a summary statement. He also says that the earth with all its necessary elements of proper combinations for supporting life was finished. I mean, we can go into the intricacy of all the scientific thing. Right now, at this point, I, I don't want to do that. I want to stick to the revelation. Okay? We can go into the, just the combination of oxygen, H, you know, H2O, this and that, all kinds of different things, the distance of the moon, the sun. I mean, just incredible stuff. But God isn't interested in impressing us with all those things. He's interested in impressing us with he created everything. As you walk through life and see the intricacy of everything, you used to be, wow, God is too much. Hmm. The division of the waters or the seas from the land to sustain life, both human and animal, was done. Complete. The preparation of the plants, the trees for food, for provisions, man and animal, done. The planting of the Garden of Eden to put Adam and Eve there, having fresh water, beautiful paradise, chapter 3, chapter 2, done. The statement of having finished the creation is emphatic in the Hebrew by the position of the verb. He tells us every step of the creation that it was done. And here, emphatically says, done. Now, do you think that God wanted you to know when you read the Bible that he created it and it was done? Hmm. Chapter 1 of Genesis is the record of creation. While chapter 2 is the details of creation, many people think they're contradictions because they look at it with a Western mind. This is an Eastern book. We've seen in the book of Revelation and other portions, God gives you a broad view scenario, and then a chapter or two later, he'll give you details to put back in. And so you have higher critics today, they call themselves scholars, and they look through it and say, well, this is out of order, and they put it in the right. No, leave it alone. This is an Eastern book. You come with Western mind and you mess it up. Leave it alone. Notice also the entire host of them. And all the hosts of them were finished. The word host can mean a variety of things depending on the context. That's always the key. It can mean an army. It can mean a company of individuals. It can mean angels. It can mean the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, the galaxies. The indication certainly has to include the specific things that he mentioned in chapter 1 from verse 14 to 19. The light generator of the sun, the light reflector of the moon, and the stars. It might be viewed as a military armament arranged in marching orders going forth as a soldier. And that's a great picture to look at. Everything in the stars, the planets, they're all lined up perfect like little soldiers. Boom, 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 boom. They do what they say. They're in subjection to God. The only one in, in rebellion is you and me. We set our watches by the planets, by the way. <laughs> we can count on them. The angels were created by God also. This is very clear. But when they, he created them, we don't know. 
there are no specific mentions of them in chapter 1 or chapter 2. But Job gives us a little glimpse, and he gives us a clue to be able to know when they were created, okay? Not exactly the point, but at least the period. Job 38, 4 through 7, when God asks Job all these questions because he thinks he's hot stuff, uh, he says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined the measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched out the lines upon it? To what were the foundations fastened? <laughs> or who laid the cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, listen, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Job tells us here that the angels were already present at the creation. So the angels were created before the creation of the heavens and the earth. Real simple. Some people have a hard time and they go for the gap theory because they got to give space for the angel creation, the rebellion. No, 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 no. Read Job. They were there at the creation. They were the cheerleaders for God. Okay? Colossians 1.16 says this, For in him, Christ, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. All things were created through him and for him. All means all, good and bad. And their good and bad angels had to be before, right? Has no conflict, no contradiction whatsoever. Listen to Psalm 148.15. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you stars of light. Praise him, you heavens of heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. <laughs> Can't be said any clearer. He calls the creation to praise the creator. How much more you and I. When anyone teaches that God did not finish the entire creation in six days, they are contradicting the biblical record. We've already talked about the word yom, and that it means literally 24 days. And the context is always important, but for the most part, in the first 11 chapters, that's the way it's used the majority of the time. Certainly in the first chapter, over and over again, even go to the extent where it says in verse 14 of chapter 1, for days, for months, and for years. Now, if it's not 24-hour day, how are we to measure those days, weeks, months, and years? The, the statement of the lights of the firmaments to rule the day from the night in chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, again, is consistent. If it's between night and day, it has to be 24-hour, right? Otherwise, if everything's a variable, how do we know? The understanding of Moses was that God created the heavens and earth in six days. We already talked about that. Giving of the Ten Commandments or the Ten Words in the Law in Exodus 20, verse 11. He says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the seas and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now, do you think the Hebrews said, Mo, was that a 24-hour day? They accepted it. Six days. The seventh he rested. Now, if God rested the seventh day and it's a geological period, boy, that's a long time. And why so long? <laughs> and how do you reconcile the, 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 the creation of man and the animals and all that and the different things in geological periods? It's impossible. The Jews believed in literal six days of creation. The New Testament writers understood Literal days, Hebrews 4.4. 4. It speaks about the rest of the Christian. And he says there, and he relates it back to the creation. In six days he created the seventh, he rested. 
But the greater testimony is Jesus Christ. He certainly believed the creation story of six days and seventh he rested. Jesus talked about it. Not only that, he always referred back to Moses. And when Moses was quoted, he always pointed to the accuracy of what he said. Jesus quoted Moses constantly, and he never corrected Moses. In fact, the Pharisees always tried to trap him because they misunderstood him. He says, now, in the manner of divorce, is it lawful for a man to leave his wife, divorce his wife? It was not so. From the beginning, he takes him back to Genesis. He said, well, why did Moses do that? And then he nails him, because of the hardness of your heart, because you don't know how to forgive. You're unwilling to forgive. The problem is your heart. It's an allowance, not a command. And he corrected them. But Moses was accurate. They misunderstood Moses. The believer is to accept and believe clearly the simple record of Genesis that in six days God finished the creation, the entire creation. Psalm 104, verse 30 says, You send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. Sculpturing it out. Bara, created. Asa, Yasser, forming, shaping. Finished. The sixth day was the acknowledgement by God to the finished work of creation. Six days. Notice secondly in verse 2. The seventh day was now the rest of God from his creation. The creator of the entire creation did not create anything else in the seventh day. You may say, isn't it the same thing? No, it isn't. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. Notice the statement is clear. The day after six days of creation, God ended his work, which he had done, past tense. The word ended means to be completed. If the first six days were literal, then this seventh day must also be literal, okay? You cannot change your meaning in the middle of interpretation. Some people try to do that with Daniel's 70 week of prophecy. The first 69, they, they interpret it one way, and the last, the 70th week, different. No, it's all got to be the same or nothing. These are all literal days, the sixth and the seventh, or they're not. One or the other. You got to have it literal or not. They have to be literal. This one also. You have to be consistent in your interpretation. Now, the creation is said to be noticed his work, which he had done. These two phrases again dismiss any thought or teaching that God started the creation and then left it to itself. This is called theistic evolution. Many Christians believe and teach this. It's nonsense. The Father, through the Son, made the worlds, Hebrews tells us, who upholds all things by the word of his power, Hebrews 1, 2, and 3. As we're going to see, he ceased from his creative work, but he did not cease from being active in the work. He's holding it together. If God took a day off, we'd be in bad shape. You understand? He not only created, but now he's involved in the creation. He's not kicking back away from the creation. He's involved in it. He holds it all together. He keeps your lungs breathing when you go to sleep at night. They're involuntary muscles. You better thank God for that. If you had to think to breathe, you couldn't sleep. Some people have that disease. It's horrible. 
Notice the creator of the entire creation rested on the seventh day. And he rested on the seventh day from all his works, which he had done. The beginning chapters of Genesis bear witness to this pattern. Seven. Very, very clear. The word rest there is Sabbath, meaning to desist, to cease from activity. That's all it means. Now, the word in no way implies that God, as I said, tired out from his work. He, you know, he, he took a break because he got tired. No. Isaiah 40, verse 28 says, God neither weary nor is he tired. He's all omnipotent, all powerful. The word simply was spoken. No energy. <laughs> it clearly describes the inactivity of God regarding creation in view that it was finished, but certainly not inactivity altogether, for he remains active even as Jesus said about the Father in John 5, 17. My Father works even till today. He's involving creation, so is the Son. The seven days will be the basis for the Sabbath rest of the Jews as you move on into the book of Exodus. Israel's calendar identifies every day by an ordinary number except for the seventh day. It's called a Shabbat. This custom was a reaction to the way Israel's neighbors named their days after their pagan gods. Listen to um, Solomon as he writes in Ecclesiastes 12.1. It says, Remember now your creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near, when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Now, young people, listen to me. You're going to get old if the Lord tarries. Right now, you're a stud. Right now, you know, you think you're a 10. Right now, you can't imagine a belly on you or anything else. But time and gravity will take hold of that, and it'll take care of that. Now, if you walk with God when you're young, faithful in obedience, you're going to have history with God. You're going to get to know how God works, his faithfulness, his love. Your love will grow for him. When you get old, you will experience your old age in a different way. You'll experience it with pleasure in spite of the difficulties because you know your creator has been so good. But you walk in your own pleasure. You walk in your own will. And you're going to be a bitter, old, resentful, sarcastic, perverted old person. The protection against old age is your youth. Hmm. I think God gave this pattern to man also that he might reflect on the creation itself. The goodness of God to create such an incredible planet, as I said. All the benefit for us. He created it for us. To go to the beach, the beach is great. You go to the mountains, the desert is beautiful. Just the country. You get up on a plane, you see the, just the beauty of it. Hmm. The goodness of God that places man as a benefactor of everything. Listen, there's a song that uses this psalm. Psalm 8, verse 1 through 6. We used to sing it. O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is your name above uh, in all the earth. Who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength. Because of your enemies that you may 
silence the enemies and avengers. Then he says, when I consider the heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. That you are the climax of God's creation. Different from animals. You can think. You can invent. Everything was created for you. Animals were created for you, not you for animals. Have you ever seen a dog scientist? A baboon baseball player? How about a horse astronaut? Man is on the top of the rung, and God made everything for you. Everything for me. Man, he's good. I think that God also gave this pattern to man for physical rest. And I think this is the heart of it. For physical rest. All of us need physical rest and sleep. And mere resting to revitalize our minds and bodies. All of us need a change of pace or gear, if you will, from the usual thing that we do on a steady pace. Of work. All of us need to be spiritually charged to give proper perspective for the purpose of life. It's like the mommy who's been with the children all day long. She's got four or five of them. By the time the husband gets home, she's hoping she has a conversation above the, above the cookie level. She needs a break. Or you go crazy. Five minutes will do great for you. Ten minutes will do great for you. One hour. But if you don't take those rests, you end up a basket case. Exodus 23, 12, six days you should do work. And on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox, your donkey may rest, that your sons, your female servants, your strangers may be refreshed. Everybody. It's built into the creation. Without this observance, man is driven to the love of money and greed. Nothing has changed. In Nehemiah's time, in chapter 13, verse 19, as you know, he commanded the gates to be shut. And he put a poster because people were coming to sell things on the Sabbath. In fact, he said one day, if I find your hair hand, I'm going to beat you up. Greedy. One more day. Oh, I can make a killing today. Greed. It's the love of money. Listen to 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is the root of all evil, all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. The love of money. You're not going to take anything with you. You're not going to have a U-Haul behind your hearts. Too many Christians today are living for things at the expense of rest and their witness. Now listen to me. All of you who are young are getting started, and that means those of you who are in your 30s and 40s also. Be careful that you don't blow your witness that you are striving like the world, striving for money, and you don't rest. You don't take time. Too many Christians are striving, striving, and they're living for money, and there's no difference between them and the world. God's giving you six days. You want to work six, fine. But you take one day of rest because it'll kill you, it'll destroy you, and it's disobedience. It's just that simple. There will be exceptions, 
but it will be the exception, not the rule. You understand? Priorities, pattern. Live by your priorities according to your income. Live in obedience to rest instead of living for the income. The seventh day was the rest of God from His creation. If you and I are creating His image, we're to rest. You need it. Pastor Xavier Reese reminding us of the importance of following God's plan and the danger of pursuing our own desires. Now, you can request your own CD copy of today's encouraging message from our study of Genesis called The Seventh Day, Rest and Relax. This is available for just $4. And don't forget to share these important truths with those in your church or Bible study. So the title to ask for once again is The Seventh Day, Rest and Relax. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And we appreciate it when you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. If God told us to rest, why aren't we listening? Make sure you tune in to the next edition of Simple Truths when Pastor Xavier Reese talks about the importance of the seventh day. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 